We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome, Notre Dame fans, to another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. I am Vince D'Addario. I am the football analyst here at irishbreakdown.com. And with me, as always, is Brian Driscoll. He's the publisher at irishbreakdown.com. And Brian, today is the day we finally get to hear about actual football. (laughs) Um, I was going to say we actually get to see it, but we don't. Real football is happening. We're just not going to get to see it. And we're going to get spoon-fed what's going on this spring. Right. uh, It's kind of like if if a tree falls in the woods and nobody hears it, it's actually happening. Yeah. Um, We assume that spring practice is actually happening. It starts today. We're excited about that uh, so that we have some actual football to talk about. And we are going to be graced with three minutes each day uh, that they have practice of video. And as Brian alluded to in a previous podcast, we will be uh, analyzing and breaking down those three minutes with a fine-tooth comb uh, to try to figure out anything that we can. (laughs) But, uh, you know, again, Irish practices is closed. They have decided uh, to keep everything closed down, uh, unlike some other places around the country. It is what it is. Hopefully right. things open back up when we get to the fall. Uh, Notre Dame's doing a giant vaccination situation today. So you would think that, hey, you're vaccinated. Come on in. But right. So here we are. We are going to do our spring preview podcast. And we have got, dare I say, a plethora of topics to talk about, yeah. Brian. Uh, and I'm Couple excited pages worth. It. Yeah, yes. absolutely. We And we... We, we had a little pre-show meeting, and we were throwing around our ideas, and I, these are the shows that I love. we got a bunch of topics, a bunch of things to talk about, a bunch of guys to talk about, and 
a few. Uh, and you didn't agree with me on a lot of things, Vince, and I'm happy about that. You're, you're learning. You're you're not always agreeing with me all the time. That's phenomenal. I like, like it that way. Really, what it people is, people like it that way. It's like we're married, and we're getting no. into that next phase. You know, we're getting into that next phase where we don't always agree on things. Okay, that's, Angela's that's... going to be very unhappy that you've made that comparison. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, I probably, I'll probably get in trouble for that too, but that's okay. Yeah. Um, so spring preview, we're going to go through just a, a bunch of topics. We've got, mm-hmm. you know, got players to watch, uh, young guys, old veterans, you know, position battles, kind of yeah. pressure, coaches. Yeah. We're going to talk about it all. Just kind of a, a an overview of kind of what we're expecting to see this spring, yes. what we think could happen. And, and all, honestly, what sort of needs to happen for Notre Dame to, to go from where they've been to number one, reload. Yes. And then number two, hopefully not only reload, but reload and get better. Absolutely. And, you know, we've seen it in the past, you know, 2011, Notre Dame loses Michael Floyd. They lose Tyler Eifert. I'm um, excuse me. They lose Harrison Smith. They lose Trevor Robinson. They lost some really, really good players, Jonas Gray. And they get go out the next year and they're even better. They go from eight and five to, to 12 and one, you know, 2017, they lose Quentin Nelson, Mike McGlinchey, Josh Adams, Equinemy St. Brown, and then they go out the next year and you know go from ten and three to twelve and of yeah. consistently <laughs> losing really really good players and sure. can they overcome that and then reload but then also not only reload but take that next step and that's yep. ultimately the goal right Absolutely. the goal isn't to just be well we got there and got our butts kicked it's hey we're gonna get there next time and we're gonna do some damage that's a mid major right thought process right and, that's and that's is not yeah. that if you're Michigan State that's cool. <clears throat> Sure. That's cool. If you're Michigan, that's cool, you know, because they've never done that before. <laughs> well, uh, you know, but when you're Notre Dame, it's about, OK, we've been there twice, been there, done that. Now it's time to start doing some damage. And, Darn right. Uh, and that's what we're going to discuss as far as that's kind of what's at the heart of a lot of this is the things that need to happen for Notre Dame to get to that point. And that's the that's the fun of it. And will will we see that? Will those things happen this spring? I don't know. Well, Brian Kelly will tell us if it yeah. did or didn't happen. Well. We, get to, we, we, get we, to we had storylines. What are the three storylines coming out of spring? And I was like, nah, scratch that. It's going to be whatever Brian Kelly tells us the storylines are. So that's basically what it's going to be. So, well, I'm ready to go. Let's get rocking and rolling, Vince. Our first topic, Brian, is, is one that I don't want to say it comes with controversy, or but there, it, you're a lot of people are on one side or the other with mm-hmm. this. And I, I was definitely planted on the I don't like this move when it first went down. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I have slowly started to come over to the other side of this after I've watched some I film. I can be very convincing as well. Vince. Well, and that's the thing. I've watched the film. I've watched you, you break it down. I, we, we've talked about it. Uh, but that is the arrival of grad transfer Jack Cohn and what that means to this team. And... I think we can both agree he is the presumed starter um, and that's okay. And, and originally, and I, I want to say this originally when they got him and I knew that he was going to be the presumed starter, I was like, well, great, you know, no competition, no, you know, just give it to the grad transfer and we're just going to do this all over again. And I was really not happy about it. Uh, but once you and I talked about it a little bit more, I'm okay with it. As long as whoever that number two guy is gets uh, legitimate playing time mm-hmm. with the ones. If that occurs, I'm on board. I mm-hmm. am on board with this particular decision. And I want to make sure that he also wins the job. Like I want mm-hmm. him to be the best quarterback in the room right now. Now, is he the best quarterback, you know, with the, with the highest ceiling in that room? No, I don't think that he is, but is he the best for this team in 2021? 
I think he probably is. And so mm-hmm. I'm okay with that as long as that is a clear-cut situation and whoever the number two guy is who's going to be here in 22 is going to get some ample playing time. I think also for me, Vince, I'd take it even further that if he doesn't play well over uh, over a period of time, whether it be practice or more likely games, that they'd be more willing to make a move than they were with Ian Book. Yes. That, that would be my other thing. Uh, I just don't think that's going to happen because I think Jack Cohn's going to play well. I think some things need to happen uh, from a coaching standpoint to make sure that he's getting that opportunity to go do that. But I, I want to make sure that he's playing well and not just sure. – to me, I'm okay with him being entrenched as a starter once he got picked up. I mean, I was been adamant about that. It was a move that made a lot of sense for Notre Dame. But at the same time, I, it, he also needs to to earn it and then yes. earn keeping it. And Absolutely. that hasn't always happened. So that's kind of my big question mark. But I am I was excited about it. Well, let me rephrase. I, I thought the move made a lot of sense when it happened. And okay. when I look at the question marks of the depth chart, Brendan Clark's injury, is Drew Pine ready yet? Is, you know, physically ready yet? Sure. Mentally, I think he's ready. But is he physically ready? Tyler Buckner hasn't played football in, in, in over a year. And in the last three seasons, he's played one season. You know, he missed right. the 2018 mm-hmm. season with an injury. He missed the 2020 season because of COVID, not his fault. Neither really are his fault. But the fact is, is yes, he's highly ranked and he's incredibly talented. And I gave him a five-star upside, but he also hasn't played a lot of football. And freshman quarterbacks rarely come in. And for every Trevor Lawrence, I can name you a a Joe Burrow, I can name you a Michael Vick, a Jameis Winston, uh, you know, Dwayne Haskins. I mean, we could go down a long list yeah. of quarterbacks who didn't play as freshmen. So, and that's okay. I, I'm, I'm really okay with, with, with yeah. Buckner not being the starting quarterback. I'm okay with that. My, like I said before, my thing is he needs to get yes. time with the ones. He if needs, he, he, you know, he earns, not just mop up time where he's he handing the ball earns the off. number two job. Bingo. Yes, absolutely. Agree. Now, yes. for me, the, the thing I'm excited to see about Jack Cohn from a spring, or at least maybe I'm, I'm excited to hear about Jack Cohn this spring, uh, and we've talked a little bit about it already, is how quickly does he take on that leadership role? That's sure. something that's important to me. You know, How quickly does he step into that to that lineup and say, hey, look, guys, I got this. This mm-hmm. is this is my job. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to be fine. Just just, you know, let let and, and just kind of have that that. Let's point everybody in the right direction. I mean, this is a guy that led Wisconsin to the Big Ten championship game in the Rose Bowl. So the big moments at Notre Dame aren't going to necessarily be big moments. You know, I mean, right. Or, I mean, or, or they're going to be big moments. They're he's not going to be unprepared for right. them. Right. It is my big thing. You know, he played at Minnesota in a late November game with the Big Ten championship on the line bunch, against yeah. a 10-win Minnesota team who was ranked, finished that year ranked 10th in the country. Sure. You know, went and beat Auburn. You know, he's played at Penn State. Didn't play well at Penn State. That was that was uh, in year – that was as a redshirt or as a sophomore. But he's played in some of those big environments. He's played at Columbus. And so there's no environment that he's going to be unprepared for. Sure. Now it's just about, okay, now go execute. And that's right. important to me. And, and when, especially when you're at a place like Notre Dame where mm. – there is no rebuilding season at Notre Dame. Not not in your twelfth year as the head coach. Not when you've recruited the way that they have. Now we're going to find out if they can get to that next level. And look, the reason that we're starting off with this is because look around the country. If you don't have great quarterback play, you don't always have to have a great quarterback, but you have to have great quarterback play. Yeah. And if you have big time quarterback play, then then you have a chance to 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 go take that next step as a program. And I think Jack Cohn, if put in the right situations has a chance to be that guy. 
He's going to have a good supporting cast. I mean, in some places, a, a very, very, very good supporting cast. And there's some question marks about that supporting sure. cast, which we will get that. into. Yep. But I think Jack Cohn's the kind of guy that can make that, that supporting cast better. And, and this is not a popular opinion, but I don't think that was always the case in recent seasons where they had a quarterback that could make the receivers around him better. I just I don't think that NFL scouts have talked about that uh, when they when they were evaluating Chase Claypool and Cole Komet last year. Great leader, tough kid, and then he could make some individual plays. You know when when things broke down, but he wasn't a guy that was going to go out there and put the ball into tough spots and take those chances and and give the players a chance to really go out and make plays with any kind of consistency. And I think Jack Cohen's will do that. And the reason I believe that is because I watched him take some of those shots and some of those chances at Wisconsin. And, and I watched him complete 69% of his passes while being aggressive, yeah. attacking the middle sure. of the field, taking one-on-one shots. And he didn't have Michael Mayer and right. Avery Davis and Kevin Austin and Braden Lindsay and Kyron Williams. Oh, he had Kyron Williams. He had Jonathan Taylor. So he had a pretty good running back. He did but, have a pretty good running back. But, right. but at the other positions, I mean, he didn't, he didn't have, to me, the depth of weapons that he's going to have at Notre Dame. So that's something I'm excited to see. And to me, that's going to be one of the big storylines coming out of the spring is Jack Cohn. Does Jack Cohn cement himself as the starter? And if Tyler Buckner or Drew Pine or Brendan Clark are are challenging for the job, my hope it's that it's that it's because they have just played that well. Not that Jack Cohn hasn't recovered from the injury, which is a concern, the foot sure. injury that cost him all of last year, or that he just hasn't adapted to the system or whatever the case may be, just not on the same page with the receivers. I, I don't want to hear that. And, you know, and that's why Tyler Buckner or Drew Pine or whoever is challenging him. I want it to be like, you know, Jack's, Jack Cohn's done really well. We, we're really confident in him. But boy, you know, Drew Pine or Tyler Buckner or both are just mm-hmm. playing great <clears throat> and they're really making it a hard decision. That's what I want to hear. Yeah. And then that they can battle for that number two. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Job in the in the fall and then to your point, get, get one of those guys an opportunity to get on the field. So that to me is the number one storyline that will will be that I'll be focused on. I don't know how much we're going to hear about it, right? But we're going to do Either our best way. over the next like I, month. Yeah, we're yeah, going to do our best we're... over the next month to try to do some digging and and try to talk sure. to some sources to figure out how things are going. But that's something that I'm, um, um, you know, look. Eventually, when we get to September, we're going to find out whether it's going well or not. But yes, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing from people that I trust that hey, things are looking good. This player's looking good, and 
And I have a lot of confidence in what Jack Cohn brings to this offense. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything. Which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. So the first group of players that we want to talk, group of players that we want to talk about is who we're going to be keeping an eye on, uh, incoming freshmen. Yeah. So there's 14 early enrollee freshmen, if my numbers are correct, Brian. And we each picked three that we're going to be keeping our eye on, you know, in the three-minute videos. Uh, but, we're, you know, that we're going to be looking for and talking to our sources and things of that nature. So three freshmen that have an opportunity to make a splash. In whatever that definition is, we each pick three. And we're going to kind of go with it. So uh, do you want me to go first or do you want to go first? Uh, go ahead and kick it off. I mean, okay. you're, you're, you're the lead. And this is a good one because we didn't pick the same guys. So like no, we, we kind of each picked our three and then we compared notes. So, you know, a lot of these are going to be threes, threes, and threes. So this is more of a, yeah. the top three. There's more than three freshmen. Absolutely. I'm excited to see this yes. spring. But no we question. had to narrow it down so that way each each topic wasn't an hour. We had to narrow it down to, <laughs> right. uh, to three. So the, the yeah, so go ahead and kick it off, Vince, and with your guy, because I mean, I, I I think we've kind of already we've already talked a little bit about him. We have, and and so we don't need to go super in depth. But my, you know, I I took the easy one. I I took the softball. I took Tyler Buckner because we have heard about Tyler Buckner for three years now, mm-hmm. um, for the most part, and now we get to see him in a gold helmet. We get to see him, you know, in the blue and gold, and it is going to be. Just because, and I think I think the re, one of the main reasons is I, I'm not anticipating him winning the starting job or anything like that. That is not why I have selected him. I selected him because he hasn't played football in over a year, mm-hmm. and there's only so many drills you can do. There's only so many brooms you can throw over. There's only, you know what I mean? There's like, it's not real football. And right. and I'm not saying spring is real football, but you're at least you've got the pads on. Uh, you got the it's red real jersey. football. It's, it's not real, game it's, football, but it's real football. It's not drill work all the time. Yeah, you can get tackled. You have five offensive linemen in front of exactly. you. You have eleven defensive players yes. trying to stop you, and you don't know yes. what play they're they're calling. Exactly. It's, it's the first time he's not in a controlled environment. Correct. And, and I don't care what you do in a drill. You can make it as chaotic as want, but it's still a controlled environment. It's exactly and right. practice is to a degree a controlled environment, but but much to a much greater degree there's less control because you can't control and dictate what the other side of the ball is doing right and i i'm i am excited to see what he can do against mm-hmm. better competition i mean he he did take it upon himself and transfer to a school for his senior year that was going to be better competition the whole thing and i applaud him for that uh because he absolutely dominated as a junior against lower competition and then everything with covid happened and so he didn't even get that opportunity so this is going to be the first chance uh, that he's going to be able to go up against dudes. I mean, and and you know, I would be paying attention to number twelve in red. There is no question he would be like, okay, where where's the Buckner kid? Uh, I need to pick him out. I want to keep an eye on him. He would be the number one guy that I'd be looking for. 
You know, Vince, with, with Tyler Buckner, there's always this thing of, well, we don't know what it's like, what he's going to be like playing against better competition. And and I'm well, that's fine. You know, you'd say that about any high school kid because every high school kid. The thing that I'll say is, well, what's he going to be like when he's throwing to Braden Lindsay? Yeah. And Michael Mayer and Avery Davis and Jordan sure. Johnson and Xavier. I mean, you know, handing off to Kyron Williams. He wasn't exactly playing with world beaters either. It's sure. not like, you know, when Jimmy Clausen was coming out, Jimmy Clausen was playing with like Christian, you know, Chris Owusu, who went to Stanford and was a big time player. Right. Yeah. So, so I think it wasn't Jimmy uh, Clausen's running back, Mark Tyler, or, you know, or Mac Tyler, who went to USC and was a pretty good player. Right. So, this is a, this isn't a kid who necessarily was surrounded by big time players either, and it, it'll limit you a little bit as a passer when your when your receivers are running four nines compared to you know Brayden <laughs> yeah. Lindsey who's running a four four or me. Jordan Johnson who's an elite player or or Xavier Watts or Avery Davis or whatever then you don't always have to be as perfect either. I mean, I watched some game film with Tyler Buckner where he would miss on a long throw, and I'm thinking, man, if he's throwing to Michael Mayer, if he's throwing to Xavier <laughs> Watts, man, that's a that's a touchdown. Right. You know, so I think that is something that we we aren't talking about enough either. Yeah, he's got to learn to face big time competition, but this is going to be the first time Tyler Buckner's kind of going into battle with dudes that are on his level. Sure, as not just against him, but, but with for him. him. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's a big part that 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 I'm excited about as well. So who's your number one guy, Brian? My number one guy is Ryan Barnes, and, okay. and there's a couple reasons for that. Number one, it, it with really three reasons. Number one is the intrigue of when I when I project a, a, a low ranked player to be better, I always am am anxious, you know, kind of excited to see. Yeah, am I right or not? You Absolutely. know, and when I look at Ryan Barnes, I don't see a three star recruit. Everyone ranked him as a three star recruit, and I'm thinking, what am I missing? Yeah, that I'm viewing this kid as like a top hundred caliber player, and everybody else is ranking him as like the thirtieth player in the state of Maryland. <laughs> you know, it's like. Sure. So what am I missing? So I, we'll, we'll first chance to see that. Okay, was I off base here, or was I right about this one? Yeah. And so we're we'll, we'll he'll and he's stepping into a situation where with him and and my number two guy Philip Riley they've they've got a chance to battle. Yes. And actually, absolutely. I'll just kind of talk about those yeah, two together. Vince, we'll kind of go like in snake order. Yeah. these. Oh. You know, so when when I look at Ryan Barnes, there's that aspect of it. But number two is he's a freshman stepping in that has an opportunity to play. Yep. And there aren't a lot of freshmen that are stepping into situations where they have an immediate opportunity to play. And what I mean by that is every freshman has a chance to play in that if they beat out the guy in front of them. So like Gabriel Rubio, for example, could certainly play, but he's going to have to beat out some really good players to get there. Same with Lorenzo Styles and, and Blake Fisher and Rocco Spindler and, and every other player on the, on the on the team but in this situation because there's so many question marks in the ba- at the boundary corner position Barnes and Riley are stepping into a situation where the the pathway to starting is much much it's clear i mean yes. it's, 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 yeah right yeah and, and so i'm excited to see that and and at the very least the hope is that they can provide depth the way that Clarence Lewis stepped up and emerged and took that over last year and sort of forced himself into the two deep. And then when right. Snake Bracey faltered, Clarence Lewis was ready to step into the starting lineup and he played good football. I mean, for a freshman that, that, you know, that didn't have spring and it was just a weird mm-hmm. COVID year and you had that pause in the middle and he stepped into, into some big games and yeah. played good football. And Ryan Barnes has got a chance to do that same thing as does Philip Riley. So I want to see if those two guys are ready to compete right now. And if they're not, as a coaching staff, you got to decide, okay, do we want to take a chance that they're going to take that step in the fall 
or do we need to start moving some guys around to figure out some some other options in the boundary? And that puts you in a little bit of a, a, a bit of a tougher spot. So sure. th- that's the other part, the practical aspect of those two guys stepping up and emerging Barnes and Riley is, is important. And then the, the combination of them, if they both have really big springs and if Cam Hart plays really well this spring, now all of a sudden you have the opportunity to think about Philip Riley playing somewhere else. If they're all playing well, if Philip Riley comes out and he, man, boy, this guy's just, this guy's too good not to play, but you know what? So is Ryan Barnes. So do we play in both at the same position or sure. do we maybe think about finding another home for Philip Riley? Can he play the field? Can he play the nickel? Can he play safety? So those two guys to me are the first two that I look at and say, boy, I cannot wait to see if they're as good as I think they are. And if they're mentally ready to, to handle this, if they have made the adjustments to, to school, the, that, that the sure. way that yeah. you, you need to make those adjustments. Cause a lot of times in their aim, that can be a limiting factor for a freshman in that it's not that your grades aren't good, but it's just like, man, I'm overwhelmed mentally because of all the things I have to do academically. So that's, sure. that's where I'm really excited to see those two guys and see what they bring to the table, because there's a lot of talent there. There's a lot of size there. And if they step up, it starts giving you some options to solidify some other positions along the, along the, the secondary. Brian, I'm going to stay in the defensive secondary for my second guy. And and the reason being, and, and we talked about this a little bit on our last podcast when we talked about the safeties. Um, I, I picked Justin Walters. Obviously, he's a true freshman. He's going to be competing for playing time at that safety position. You want to talk about a depth chart that's wide open. It's the safety position. And, and, and we broke it down in our last podcast, so I'm not going to spend a ton of time on it. But the bottom line is you've got your two starters going into spring in Houston Griffith and Kyle Hamilton, obviously DJ Brown, I think is, is penciled in as, you know, one of the backups, but that other spot, that other spot in the two deep is wide open. And there's a lot of guys competing for it, but this is an opportunity for Justin Walters to, to jump into that mix. And if you're in the two deep at safety, you're going to play. I mean, there's no question, especially in Marcus Freeman's defense, he loves safeties and he's going to get safeties on the field. So um, I, I think that from an opportunity standpoint, Justin Walters has an as a great opportunity mm-hmm. to bust into that too deep and get some playing time. Yeah, no question. And we haven't even talked about the fact that there's a third safety position that Marcus Freeman ideally would like to have that we're not exactly. even, that we're just assuming is going to be taken over by a a rover or a linebacker at this point in time. So yeah, he's a he's a guy that I would. I would look for it. And I'm curious to see, too, with him is and he's listed at like 170 plus pounds. He looks yeah, bigger than that, but he just plays bigger than that, too. And I'm curious to see how he how he had physically can he hold up? Because if he can, I have a feeling he's going to he's going to surprise some people. And I think we I think Justin Walters would have become a much bigger name, Vince, if he would have been allowed to play senior year. Right. Which he wasn't able to because of his the state rule. Sure. Uh, it had nothing to do with him. So it wore an injury or anything like that. So I, I, he, I think he would have been a guy that would have jumped way up recruiting rankings had he been a, had a chance to do that as a senior so since we're going snake order i guess it's my turn um and my my last one is, i've got blake fisher offensive mm-hmm. lineman um you know from what we're hearing from our sources and, and and from people that are around the program you know he stepped up and he's he's looked really really good not in pads, right? Because mm-hmm. they haven't had a chance to be in pads yet. That was the area I was concerned most about with Blake. Yeah, I knew when the pads came on, he'd be good. But right. what, what was this conditioning going to be like? What was his work ethic going to be like? Those kind of things. So I, I, I mean, you say you in most instances, Vince, 
that in pads thing is like, yeah, okay, we'll believe. But in the case of a kid that was 330 plus pounds when he showed up at Notre Dame, to me, that that's it. No pads period was the biggest part for him because you're going to sure. really find out what kind of work this young man's willing to put in. Yeah, absolutely. And, and he he's putting in the work. And yeah, from everything we're hearing, he's going to be a guy that everybody's going to have their eye on uh, come come later on today when they're at practice. And I, you know, is it ideal to have a true freshman in the two deep? Maybe, maybe not. But if he earns it, you know, like Robert yeah. Hainsey did, you know, back when he was a true freshman, then I'm all for it. You know, I mean, if he if he pushes himself into the rotation or into the starting lineup, then fantastic. You know, they're not in a position where they're pushing him to be in the starting rotation because of lack of depth or lack of talent. So this is the perfect opportunity that if he's playing, it's because he earned it. And, mm-hmm. and I think that is a lot of fun. And and frankly, look, as a high school football coach, I walk around practice generally and I, I, I you know, dream about them playing for me, you know, as high school seniors. And when you're 330 pounds, you're like, man, I mean, he's going to stick out when he walks out of the locker room, yeah. you know? And so eyes are going to go to him regardless. And so my eyes would go to him. And so I'd be keeping my eye on him regardless. But because he's been putting in the work, um, that just adds to it for me. So he, he's my third freshman to keep an eye on. There there shouldn't be a single veteran, meaning non-freshman offensive lineman that feels content going into this yes, spring. Absolutely. Not one. Because absolutely, I mean, I, I, he could probably play four positions. <laughs> You know, I think center's probably the only one I wouldn't play him at. But, yeah, if if you're a veteran offensive lineman at Notre Dame and you're feeling a sense of contentment with practice starting today, you're going to get beat out. Yeah. I mean, I mean it's, just, it's as simple as that. 6'6", six, six, 330, and a work ethic. Like, yeah. that's, that's pretty yeah. great stuff. I, just, I think it's he's hungry. And yeah. I, I think the concern you have is what a kid who just brutalized his opponents the way he did and just dominated the way he did. You always concern, like, okay, this big kid that's just always gotten by on just God-given ability and just, sure. like, beat up on on inferior opponents. Is he going to step on campus kind of like feeling like he's hot stuff and all this? And from everything we've heard about Blake, it's like he stepped on like hungry. Like he's like, yeah, yeah. okay, red shirt this. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and I'm going to want it. it. So another freshman that I've heard of good things about, which which we've reported on recently, is Lorenzo Styles Jr. And that's my third freshman I'm excited to see. And, and it was hard. I, I thought about Kane Barong because I'm hearing yeah. a lot of great yeah. things about Kane Barong. Um, I thought about Blake Fisher. I thought about Gabriel Rubio. There's yeah. a lot of freshmen that I that I look at this spring and said, "Boy, I'm really looking forward to seeing what he can do." But Lorenzo's a little different. I liked Lorenzo's junior film. I've written about this before. I thought sure. he was a top 200 caliber player for sure based on junior film. But I said, you know, I just feel like there's another gear for him. We saw that gear when he was a senior, and he jumped from that to a top hundred, a for sure top 100 player in my opinion, and a guy that that to me has that that big playability that Notre Dame just has lacked. And he's a, and the, here's the thing that I love about Lorenzo. He was listed in like, in like one seventies in high school. Mm-hmm. You watch him play corner. He was a mean physical corner. I mean, he would just throw guys around. I mean, he was kind of like Philip. He wasn't as good as Philip Riley at corner, but love he it. had that same mentality. And th- there was a play in the first game of the year. They were playing their big rival. Uh, I think it's Pickerington North. And they put him on, they put him at, at tailback. Again, he's like 175 pounds. They put him at tailback, and they run an ISO play on like a short yardage, and there's just this linebacker standing in the hole. So Lorenzo, at 175 pounds, puts his shoulder down and just freaking runs the guy over. And I'm like, okay, that's a ball player right there. That's a ball player right there. (laughs) I I got fired up. I don't get fired up watching high school film. I was like, let's go. You know, like that's the kind of guy you want. And 
to have that level of toughness because he was a very good corner. Ohio State actually offered him as a corner, not as a wide receiver. They wanted him as a corner. And, and I think speaks volumes about his toughness and that mentality. Sure. He's a guy that I could say as a freshman, he's he's the guy that now in this class you you have to find a role for. And I think the fact that he's going to get a spring under his belt is going to give him a jump over what – Xavier Watts and Jordan Johnson had last year. Not, not in. I mean, Xavier Watts was here for the spring, but they canceled after one practice. Yeah, exactly. He's a guy that to me is going to be is going to be hard to keep off the field because again, he brings an element, a skill set, a vertical speed, and after the catch ability that they don't have a lot. Even if Jordan Johnson and Xavier Watts get the shot, we think they should get, and they play and they step up. There's still got not a lot of that explosiveness. Sure, but if those guys step up, we'll get into that. And these guys step up, you're now all of a sudden looking at a situation where you've got some really explosive playmakers at receiver. And Jack Cohn's going to be thinking, "I have, I am in heaven." Like who who'd have thought that my broken foot would have would have <laughs> ended with this this wonderfulness? Oh, I uh, should, who should I throw to? Michael Mayer, Jordan Johnson, Kevin Austin, Brayton Lindsey, Lorenzo Styles, Xavier Watts, Avery Davis. Oh, gee, I don't know who. Yeah, you know, right. it's it's beautiful stuff. Our next category, Brian, uh, is kind of a fun one. There, there's this is going to be the the young guy who we think could potentially step up and, and play a major yeah, role. Up and so, comers. An up and comer. So for example, like last year, Kyron Williams would have fit perfectly in this category. As a mm-hmm. freshman, he had four carries, and then as a sophomore, Played just he was four a, games. Yeah, four carries in four games. You right. know, thousand yard rusher, second team all American, right? So He's the poster child for this category, right. okay? And who so is not who would not be a poster child for this category is a guy like Chris Tyree, correct? Who because potentially could have a breakout season, but he almost had 500 yards last year. So we're trying correct. to keep this on on guys that maybe didn't play a lot. You know, a Miles Boykin type of break. Well, he'd be kind of a different category, but like just that guy that that we've seen. He's played a little. He's a, sure. a redshirt freshman, a true sophomore, or a redshirt sophomore that we think has a chance to kind of take that big jump and and i think it was hard to pick three because there's a lot of guys there that are I thought, a lot of guys which is says a lot about this team it's going to be a relatively young team at a lot of skill positions yes and there was a lot of guys to potentially to potentially choose from so brian i'll kick it off with uh with my first guy and you know we, we've talked about him a lot and because he's got talent mm-hmm. and we have not had the opportunity to see number 82 on the field and well he was on the field, but you know what I mean. Uh, in a in a competitive situation, uh, yeah. to to get a catch, for for example, um, but and that's Xavier Watts. I and I've told this story before, but guess what? I'm telling it again. The one practice we got to see last year uh, for spring practice, he was wearing number 21, and that was my number in high school. So like, I automatically kind of look for that number because I'm an idiot, and he was on fire like he was a man amongst boys and he was an early enrollee and mm-hmm. and, and he was making plays he was running by guys I mean, confident he, yeah and i remember standing there talking to you i'm like who is that number 21 and you're like xavier watts i, I told you he's gonna be good and i said, <laughs> I say quite that arrogantly <laughs> <laughs> well you know I'm i might not, have thought it that arrogantly <laughs> but i didn't i didn't say I'm shrinking the conversation uh <laughs> but uh i remember talking to you about him and then i was watching him the entire practice and he stood out i mean mm-hmm. as an early enrollee he stood out and i would love to see what he is going you know with a year under his belt 
obviously he didn't get any playing time as in the fall. What is he going to look like in the spring? Uh, I think he could have a breakout year. I, I there's opportunities obviously at wide receiver more so than just starting. Um, if they go six deep at wide receiver, I will be ecstatic. And if he's not one of those six, there's something wrong. And I mean, he is a player and I want to see him on the field. It's all about opportunity for Xavier. I mean, that's it. It's, it's, I know if he gets a legitimate opportunity that he'll, he'll play and he'll make plays. Yes. But I don't know that he's going to get that legitimate opportunity, especially when I heard that he's playing, uh, that there's a good chance he's going to start the spring at the boundary position. Like when I heard that, it was kind of like, okay, so they just moving him there to like take reps because Kevin Austin's out. But there, you know, if, if he was competing for playing time, why wouldn't they have him at like the X and the Z where, yeah. where his skill set is best suited? That was my negative view of how they treat receivers aspect of it. But perhaps it's, it's, it could also be indicative of, hey, you know, maybe they view him as a Chris Brown type of boundary player. And remember in 2015, Notre Dame had a 175, 180 pound boundary receiver in Chris Brown. They used that position differently because they didn't have that big horse like they've had in recent seasons. So, you know, hopefully that's it. But I just hope it's an opportunity. And I hope that Xavier takes whatever reps he gets and just balls out and says, hey, whether you are going to give me an opportunity or not, uh, I'm going to force it upon you. And and hopefully they still do that. I just – I have a natural skepticism on whether or not they're (laughs) actually going to play the best players. So do I. And and we've seen Brian Kelly, whether it's veterans or children of – Famous people, or I mean, there, there's always been things you kind of like, but that doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, but uh, if Xavier gets his chance, and then, then I have no doubt that he's going to step up. And the same thing is true of my number one guy, Vince, and that's Jordan Johnson. Yep, and I kind of, I kind of lump them together exactly. a little bit, which is why we but, decided to go the route we yeah. did. To me, these two guys could have a big impact this year, and, and Jordan Johnson's the kind of guy that I could see go from not playing a whole lot, yeah, to being their best receiver. I mean, he's literally that good. He could be that good. Whether or not that's going to happen or not, we'll see. He's got to take advantage of it. I, he is going to get an opportunity this spring. And the fact that that he's not playing W, at least mm-hmm. in workouts and things that I've heard, he's not playing W, tells me they're looking to find a, a hole for him, a home for him. And mm-hmm. they're not just going to plant him behind the you know Kevin Austin like they did last year yeah. with him behind you know right. Javon McKinley and those guys. So that that's a positive sign, and, and if he can take advantage of the opportunity he's going to get this spring, step up, make some plays, be the player that you and I both know he can yeah. be. Now, all of a sudden, we're we're heading into this off season saying, "Boy, Notre Dame's got a chance to be really good at wide receiver." And yeah, I know that this guy. I don't care about experience at receiver as much as that's the that's the funny thing for me. Brian Kelly is so obsessed with experience at receiver, and to me. That is that is one of two positions on offense that I, really the whole football field that I just don't care about experience. Yeah, we've seen in the past. Golden Tate went from six catches to a thousand yards in a year. Freshman to sophomore, six catches as a freshman, fifty eight for over a thousand as a sophomore. But he got Will so Fuller. much smarter from freshman right, to sophomore. Apparently, year. right. Well, that was Charlie Weiss's deal. Uh, he and Golden didn't actually know how to run routes because he was kind of a running back in high school. And it's like yeah, I don't care. Was. You can, if you can't teach him to run a hitch, a slant, a go, and a, a drag, and and you know fall camp, then you're a terrible receivers coach. But Rob Inello was a pretty terrible receivers coach. Good re- good recruiter, but pretty terrible receivers coach. So I get that one. But he went. You know, Will Fuller went from six catches in 2013 to 76 catches in year two for over a thousand yards. So it, this isn't this isn't like a an absurd unheard of thing to see a guy have that kind of breakout do i anticipate jordan johnson being the next guy to go from nothing to 
a thousand yards. I don't think it's going to be quite that big of a jump. He's capable of it, but I just think the ball's going to get spread around too much for that. Yeah. But could he have a, a Chase Claypool type of second year jump or better? Sure. Chase Claypool went from five catches as a freshman in 2015 or 2016 to, I believe, like 29 in 2017 on an offense that didn't throw much. That's the other thing. You have to, you know, so 29 catches for over 400 yards in an offense that didn't throw a whole lot. So yeah. I could certainly see Jordan Johnson making that type of jump at the very least in his second season. All right, if we're snaking, buddy, it's your turn, or I can lead off. It's up to you. You go ahead and keep going. Okay, gonna, I told you we're going to mix this up. We're going to snake some. We're just going to go back and forth. <clears throat> well, Let's keep it fresh. And and we talked about the offensive line earlier in the week, and that's the direction that we're headed to next. And, you know, we went into pretty gr- good detail on these next two guys. And for me, it's Tosh Baker. Um, I, I think that – I think he's pushing for some serious playing time mm-hmm. this year, if not as a starter – um do i want to see him starting at left tackle not really i would rather see him at right tackle for a year or two and then move over and be a dominant left tackle that's what i personally would like to see um but i think he has the opportunity sitting in front of him with with the wide open offensive line that we're talking about i mean you got one returning starter and with jared patterson being somewhat limited or or limited uh in spring practice we don't know what position he's going to be at. We, we've heard tackle. Is it going to be left tackle? Is it going to be right tackle? What are they going to do with Josh Lugg? I think Tosh Baker is one of the dominoes that is going to have an effect on where those two guys are playing. And I, from what we're hearing about Tosh Baker, uh, sky's the limit for this kid. And he's a sophomore with freshman eligibility. So he's a young guy, which is why I prefer him at right tackle right now. Um, but you know, we'll see what happens, but I, he is a guy that I would have, I would be zeroing in on when I'm watching the offensive line for sure. Andrew Kristoffik's the one for me. He's a red shirt sophomore. <clears throat> sure. Uh, you know, I love Tosh Baker, but I'm, I think guard to me is a bigger question mark because it, even if Tosh Baker doesn't step up, I feel like Notre Dame's going to be fine at tackle. I have Jared yeah. Patterson, left tackle, Josh Lugger, right tackle. And they'll be, they'll be really good there. If Tosh steps up, then obviously that gives you a whole new you yeah. know set of circumstances that could be awesome. But they're going to be fine there. They need somebody to step up at guard. And, yeah. and I think Andrew Kristoffik is one of their most five talented offensive linemen. There's no doubt in my mind he's one of their most five talented offensive linemen. The question is, is he going to turn his potential into production? And and that's the big that's the big thing for me. It is is I was trying to remember the, the game that I was listening to. It might have even been a basketball game recently where they talk about when you when you're talking about potential, that means a guy's not producing. And there's a lot of that at Notre Dame. In the, on this yeah, team, there's a sure. lot of guys that we're talking about their potential and their talent, but we're not talking about their proven production. Right. And the more of those guys that start that that force the conversation to be about their production, the better it's going to be. And Andrew Kristoffic is one for me because you have to shore up the inside of your offensive line. Absolutely. In today's era, if you're great at tackle but not good, great up the middle, you're going to have a good offensive line, but not a not great, a great one. And, and you have to be good up, really good up the middle. And to me, Andrew Kristoffic is the key to that happening. Now, whether that's he beats out Dylan Gibbons at left guard, or whether Gibbons has a great spring and he they move him to right guard to to play there, uh, whatever the case may be, Andrew Kristoffic has to have the kind of spring that says, "Hey, coach, I don't care where you start me, but yeah. you need to start me <clears throat> somewhere because I'm one of your best linemen." Conversation. And, and yeah. he could certainly solidify. If Andrew Kristoffik has a breakout spring, 
that goes a long way towards solidifying this offensive line. Because I feel like there's three guys that I feel good about to varying degrees going into the spring. That's obviously Jarrett Patterson, Josh Lugg, and Zeke Carell. Feel yep. good about to varying to different levels, but I feel like they're at least going to be good players. Yep. You need you need Andrew Kristoffic to say, yeah, I got one of these two. Don't yep. don't worry about this one. I got this one locked down. I'm going to be good and let's let's roll. So the the last guy for me, and I I've talked about this guy a bunch, and I I am I, I love his length, I love his size, I love the potential. Again, the big P word, right? I, I love his potential at corner, and that's Cam Hart. And I was excited to see what he could do last spring uh, because they moved him over to corner and all that. Um, and then of course spring got shut down. Um, I think he got buried a little bit on the depth chart last year in the fall, but I think he really needed that spring because then he was used in the fall to kind of learn the position. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, he's one of those guys that really missed out not yeah. having that. Spring he was basically year. doing in the fall what he w- would have otherwise done. Ex- that's exactly right. And 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 it put him behind the eight ball a little mm-hmm. bit. And so I think this spring is huge for him. Um, again, I love his physical tools. I, I love you know the fact that he wants to be over there playing defense. Um, I, I I think the sky's the limit for him. Um, and you mentioned it before when you were talking about the cornerback position. It's wide open over there. I mean, mm-hmm. there, there there's a bevy of guys with a ton of talent, but who's going – where is the cream going to rise to the top? Who is mm-hmm. going to be the cream, you know, at that cornerback position? I think Cam Hart has a great opportunity to, to seize hold of – Maybe not a starting position, hopefully, um, but at least a rotation position. See, my third guy is actually someone that I don't see starting, but I'm excited about him, and that's Riley Mills. Yeah. I have. I just have this feeling that him and Jason Adamiola are going to form just this dominant one-two punch of three technique. And sure. I, I'm, I'm excited to see what Jason Adamiola can do, but look, I don't care how good you are at defensive tackle especially when you're 279 pounds, you're not playing 60-plus snaps a game. At least you shouldn't. Right. Otherwise, yeah. when we get to November, you're going to be dragging. And, yeah, you've got depth issues. And you're probably going to be down to 269 pounds at that point <laughs> in time. Sure. Uh, you know, you have to have depth, and it's about waves on defense now. I mean, Clemson and Alabama and Ohio State, you know, they're throwing waves at you. Notre Dame has the chance to throw waves at they you. They do. And, and what you want to do is it's one thing to play bodies. It's another thing that when your second wave of players is just as good as your first wave of players. You know, you're doing a hockey – deal with Darren the other day it's the same thing in hockey I mean if you're if you're if you're taking your starters out and you're putting in second guy you know your first wave or whatever it is in hockey and those guys aren't nearly as good as your starters guess what you're that's when that's how you lose games and the yeah. same thing here and that's what's been so different about these recent Notre Dame defensive lines compared to past Notre Dame defensive lines I would argue the individual talent at the top has not been as good as it was in the early 2000s when but you had Stephon to it yeah Aaron Lynch Lewis Nix but now it's just so deep Yes, and Riley Mills is a guy to me that I could see having a big time break. I could see him and Jason Adamiola combining for fifteen to twenty tackles for loss. I, I really could. I think nice. they could be that good. And I've seen some some photos that Notre Dame has put out of Riley Mills, like getting ready for spring practice, and it's like, okay, yeah, he doesn't look like a freshman anymore. <laughs> he yeah, looks right. like a grown man. And I just think that one two punch is just going to be really really special and if they can both stay healthy and if he can have the kind of breakout that i think he could have you know you talk about jason adamiola playing 35 40 snaps a game and riley mills playing 20 25 snaps a game and you're just as an offensive lineman you're thinking lord please make it stop <laughs> you know just, <laughs> just 
you know, he's going to, he's going to, you know, he's going to do some Quentin Nelson, no mossing on people. You remember against right. USC when the oh, USC D line were just like, I those dudes just quit. They were just man. turning their back on him and just right. like letting him push him into the ground. They were like, no more. I can't take <laughs> any more. I want to see those two guys just, just make life miserable for opposing guards and tackles and centers just because it's like you can't block them. I mean, yeah. I'm, I may be putting too much hype and pressure on those two guys, but Vince, I just got a feeling that those two guys are just going to be really, really special this year. Brian, that's going to do it for uh, part one of our spring preview. So uh, we're going to have a part two. So make sure you go check that out. We're going to talk about uh, some of the coaches that can make a big impact. We're going to talk about some of the position battles. Um, So there's a lot of good stuff over there on part two. Hope you enjoyed part one uh because we enjoyed bringing it to you this mm-hmm. this these are one of our more favorite uh podcasts to do so go check out part two uh because there's a lot more information to come Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.